Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. It is my pleasure to introduce somebody that needs, really doesn't need an introduction. Uh, she is fairly new to Salem, but you've seen her on television for years and years and years. Michelle Tafoya, um, my goodness. Um, so many things to ask you about, Michelle. But first off, thank you so much for doing the podcast with me today. You are welcome. Years and years and years. It just makes me feel like I'm just ancient. <laughs> Three years? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe two, four, six, because you said years, not year and year and year. But, you know, I'm post the Lucille Ball era. So there we'll go well, with that. I, I, so am I. <laughs> so I think we're both good. Um, All right. But I mean, I, I've been a fan of yours for quite a long time. And thank you. you know, I mostly knew you from football reporting. You did a great job as a, as a reporter for the NFL, but I, I guess I didn't even realize how much, um, how many more different sports that you, uh, mm. reported on and for how long you've been doing it. Um, and so tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about your journey in media. I grew up in Southern California. Uh, my parents were both Bay Area born, meaning Northern California. So my dad was a giant sports fan and it starts there. And I had a big brother who was a great high school basketball player, went on to college, but was injured and never played. But he still stands six foot six and 200 pounds. So he's a big dude. Um, so I idolized my brother. My dad influenced us greatly in sports huge 49ers fan growing up, uh, huge Lakers fan growing up, just a, a massive sports fan. So that by the time I got to college, I started doing a little bit of sports casting, just dabbling in the college radio station, went to grad school to get a master's in business because I knew I wanted some sort of safety net no matter what I pursued. And while I was there, the sports fanaticism just kept just kept bubbling up. And I, and I began to see people like Robin Roberts and Leslie Visser and Hannah Storm on television. And I thought, you know what, I, I bet I could do that. And, you know, I was always comfortable, uh, did some acting as a kid and through college, I was always comfortable in front of people. So I thought this would be a great marriage of my passion for sports and my comfort in front of the camera. And I'm not saying it was an overnight success. It was not. I worked my butt off in a number of locations and uh, ultimately just wound up at CBS Sports when they lost the NFL. They lost all this stuff. So they lost a bunch of talent and they needed newbies. And there I was. And uh, I got a job there, spent five years there, and then went off to ESPN ABC, wound up on Monday Night Football, moved over to Sunday Night Football. And I'm making it sound really simple. It was not. There was a lot of complex stuff that went into everything. And loads of hard work. So, um, but yeah, that's, that was my journey into and through sports. Yeah. I mean, I think that it, you're right. You make it sound easy. It wasn't, yeah. I mean, you started off at local stations in, yeah. in Twin Cities. Yes. Uh, and in fact, your, your, your pattern actually matches mine. I grew up in Southern California, I ended up moving to Minnesota and then we're just waiting for you to move to central Texas, Michelle. That's, that's <laughs> you, you never know. You never know. I mean, uh, we're going to get into a little bit of what's going on in Minnesota and politics, but I, I want to keep talking a little bit through this. Now you worked hard. You you've been national, local, national, local, national in, in, in sports journalism. You've also been doing some other things uh, over the years as well, primarily though known for sports journalism. And mm -hmm. then you decide that you're going to make a, a, a very different sort of um, 
career mm-hmm. in culture and politics and you join Salem. So first off, <laughs> welcome to Salem. Thank you. <laughs> I've, been, I've been part of Salem now, for, you know, actually I've been affiliated with Salem for almost 20 years now. Wow. And I started in the Twin Cities on the Saturday afternoon radio show, you know, the Northern Alliance radio show there. Um, and then went to work for Salem uh, when they bought up hot air. So um, love it here. It's great. It's a great environment. Um, and I say that because my boss is listening. But uh, <laughs> Oh, boy. We both have to look over our shoulders. Well, you know, it's, a, it's, it's, it's just part of the fun. But um, tell me why you decided to, to make that change, um, sort of get out from the, well, what used to be sort of the non-political <laughs> to the political. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it started on 9-11. That day changed my life profoundly. I was fairly newly married, wanted a family, loved America. I've always loved America. Uh, Listen, my dad was Hispanic. My parents grew up during the Depression, uh, dirt poor, dirt poor, and taught me that I still I lived in the greatest country on earth because the opportunities were there. And both my parents were living examples of that and uh, demonstrated for me and my three siblings that we could do that too. And as a result, I've got a brother who's got his own business and is doing very well. My oldest sister worked for the Obama administration. We'll try not to hold that against her. Uh, (laughs) My next oldest sister is an architect and here I am. So um, my parents instilled in us the work ethic, but also the belief that that work ethic would pay off. And I think that's sorely missing uh, in many areas today that we, we don't, we don't give kids that, that hope and that ambition, we tell them how oppressed they are or how, you know, or, or how oppressive they are. And I think it's, it's the wrong message for kids. Terribly, terribly wrong. Having said that, um, because of my patriotism, my love for this country, 9-11, I, anytime I think back to that morning, I can picture vividly as I'm sure you can, Ed, exactly what I was doing, where I was, what happened and what happened in the hours that followed. And it just deepened my interest in my country, my history, the the American history, world history. How did this happen? Why did this happen? Why are we blaming ourselves that this happened to us? Um, There's got to be other, and it just kind of built and built and built. And then, as you said, we saw politics creep into sports in a way that really wasn't, wasn't pretty. And a lot of fans did not like And through all of this, I I had so much I wanted to say, so much I wanted to say. Now, some of it I could. I went on radio stations and I'd talk. I had a show on WCCO in Minneapolis for a few years and was on with Tom Bernard in the mornings for for a year or so. And but ultimately, I I said to my my team at at NBC, I would really like to do a podcast. I have so much I want to say. And they didn't prohibit me. They just said, we get it. We would like to ask you to wait until you're gone from here because we just don't want to court any controversy. Sunday night football was the crown jewel of NBC programming, sports, entertainment, news, and otherwise. Sunday night football, highest rated show on television for every single season that I was on it, and I think still is. And I respected that. They did not want to have their cast, if you will, out there saying things a little, uh, you know, that might've gone, might've offended their fans. And sure. they were already dealing with NFL fans going, I don't want to watch anymore. You're not going to salute the flag. I don't want to watch. So they, I understood it and I respected it, 
But that kind of made the urgency of, I got to get a timeline here of when I want to leave this thing because I got to talk. I got to be in this. This is my country we're talking about. And yeah. I, I, and I can't, I think at a lot of people can sit back and go, oh, we'll let other people take care of it. I've never been that way. So I finally just set my sights on one last Super Bowl and said, that's going to be it. Well, it's it's too bad that you're not on the sidelines in, in the sense that we miss your reporting from the sidelines. It's great, though, that you've decided to get into the fight. And I think that everybody who is discovering you now at, at Salem is discovering an entirely new side of you, which is great. Although um, some people hate it. <laughs> well, I mean, you're going to get you know, that I, right either way. You're going to get that right. If you're if you're in the fight, you're going to get yes. get that to some extent. So yeah. I would just say this about the about NBC. I, I I actually agree with you and I think that you should have respected their wishes. However, I don't think that that was necessarily a consistent position. And I'm not going to just point out NBC because NBC is not the only person not the only group that was doing this. What they didn't want was politics from a particular perspective being associated with them. They were doing politics. They were going into all of the, you know, all of the sloganeering and stuff like that, that the, that, the, that the left was demanding in order to do NFL. And they complied with that. But they what they didn't want was somebody that had a, a different opinion talking about this publicly. And I think that that's, that's where it was unfair. But I agree with you. I'm, and I understand your decision to say, okay, I need to wait until I've disconnected from here because I respect these guys. They respect me, but I need to yeah. be able to feel, feel good about the choice that I'm making. And I think you, I think you handled that really nicely. Yeah. I didn't want to have to tiptoe and walk on eggshells all the time. You know, I, I, I didn't want to have to couch everything that I said. And, uh, and that's what I had to do. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe if I had been on the other side, it, I, I don't know. I, 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 I can't know that because it wasn't the case. Right, right. So let's talk a little bit about the about what's driving um, your passion here at Salem. First off, let's talk about what you're doing here, where people can find you. Yeah. Um, we're all one. We're all one big Salem, but we do tend to be a little bit compartmentalized. You know, the, mm -hmm. the, the web the web audience is a little different from the radio audience. A little different. Yes. From the audience. So, um, so tell us a little bit about what you're doing there. What what topics are driving your passion at Salem? Well, we started with the title Sideline Sanity because what I wanted to do was have <laughs> same I conversations. I wanted this notion that I'm not going to be way over here. I'm not going to be way over here. We're going to have sane conversations. We're not going to scream and yell at each other. We're going to talk civilly. And maybe that's boring to some people, but I think there are a lot of people out there who really crave that, who just want to uh, break from the noise and want to be educated and learn something and be curious about a topic. And that's where I was coming from. We've just changed the name to the Michelle Tafoya podcast because I guess the research was showing that some people thought sideline sanity meant it still had a sports bent to it. And right. it, it, you know, occasionally, like I had Al Michaels on a week or so ago and we had a blast. All we talked about was sports. It was great. We talked about marriage too. But, um, but primarily, I, I mean, there are issues in society and culture, in America, in politics that, I, I, that wake me up in the night sometimes that pull me out of bed in the morning. They are education. They are this growing hostility from China and our, the, our connectedness to China that I think has put us in some, some danger in terms of foreign policy. Um, I, uh, even though my ancestors came from other countries, 
this southern border situation, I think, is just absolute chaos and nonsense and controllable. And it's being, you know, the administration is refusing to control it. And I'm not sure why, but I think it's harming not only Americans, but harming people who are making the trek here. And it's given a lot of power to the cartels who are bringing them all here. So um, those are just a few of the things that that have me going. Then there's the, the women's sports. And you know who Riley Gaines yeah. is. I've had her on my podcast twice. I think the world of her because she is putting herself out there to say, I don't care if you are living life as a trans, but when you're a male biologically and you come to compete with me in a swimming pool, it's not fair. And she's right. right. It's not fair. And it's pretty simple. And I've talked to people in the gay community and the lesbian community who say to me, I can't even believe we're debating this. Like this shouldn't even, it's so common sense, but there's an ideology around it. And I, I just worry about those ideologies and how they are infringing on, on fact in America. Right. Right. And, you know, we talked a little bit about the educational um, environment when you broke your rule and had me on your show rather than, you know, uh, saying I broke that sacred rule. <laughs> no, Ed Morrissey on my show. We had a blast. People can hear it today. It's dropping today. Well, we did have a blast. I And and but I was talking about the sort of the same, you know, the, the sanity part of it. I think you might have yeah. broken the rule for that. But and I thank you for it. But <laughs> But uh, but Michelle, uh, this is part of, I think, one of the things that animates me and I think animates you as well is that there has been a disconnect from objective reality mm-hmm. and there has been a disconnect from uh, the the core values of Western civilization that we're we're seeing the the results of those breaks on the streets. We're seeing the results of those breaks, especially, in schools and not just higher education, but even in kindergarten, yeah. where you have schools now trying to have, you know, um, drag queen story hour, drag queen, you know, um, performances for elementary school children. And when we talk about these things, people always talk about the right starting culture wars. Um, that's not what's happening, right? You know, I grew up with dragon comedy right i i've you know monty python used to do yeah. that. watch that yes. as a kid right i mean it's and there's always been drag shows or at least there has been for the last several decades nobody cared about it until they started trying to push it onto children right and this is part of what i think you're talking about it's of a piece with the unreality that simply saying that a man has declared himself as a woman allows him to compete fairly and equitably against actual biological females. It's nonsense. It's reality. And yet there's so much pushback on, (laughs) on this simple truth, not just from the activists who are, you know, not just from the Leah Thomases, but also from the media who are very quick to label that type of argument as transphobic it's always phobic something phobic yes yes i mean to basically paint that dissent as a mental infirmity yeah which is a classic marxist um uh, tactic yes it is and it's designed to shut you up it's designed to make you go cower in the corner and not say another word and let their narrative i'm sick of that word but their (laughs) view of the world their viewpoint reign supreme and cower you into not saying anything. And I think we continue to see that. I mean, I, I mentioned Riley Gaines because she's about the only person I can think of 
who's been willing to go speak out about what what's going on in in women's sports that we fought so hard for title nine to provide this avenue for women to compete and to earn trophies and to even have commercial success as athletes right professional right. athletes um the katie ledeckis of the world the the sue birds of the world uh all of them we could go on and on that thank you title nine now so now what are you doing you're saying that men can now come into our side and i don't care if you say they identify as a woman if you are not biologically a woman oh ed i could go on and on about this about the things that women biologically physiologically have to deal with that a man no matter how much testosterone or hormone uh, you know blocking drugs he takes can't doesn't have to deal with there's not a right. breast size issue there's not a monthly menstruation issue where oh shoot i gotta get in the pool and swim even though i feel bloated times 10 you know there's not that those things don't exist and you've lived your whole life as a man building on a physiological difference that happens the minute the chromosomes, you know, right. are determined. And so to, to deny that, and this is com coming from the side that likes to call some of us science deniers, right? And, and they are, this is a classic denial of science. And it's, it's just, it's astonishing. And it's, it seems to have just exploded here recently. And a lot of people are wondering about, you know, well, during the pandemic, people were on TikTok all the time. They were online. They saw all these influencers who were convincing them that if you question the body that you're in, you must be trans or non-binary. Or how about maybe I'm, maybe in 10 years, I'll realize I'm gay. Or how about maybe I'm just confused right now. And, and, and the radical nature of this, that it has gone on to, you know, my kid, he really think wants to be a girl. So I think we're going to, you know, let that happen. Or my daughter, the doctors will say, do you want a dead daughter or a trans, you know, so it, it, it's like this, your kid's either going to commit suicide or you have to have this surgery. That right. That's a false choice. There are a million things you can intercede with in between that could get this kid from childhood to adulthood without maiming them permanently. And I, I just think this is, it's insane. I could never imagine doing this to my own child. And I don't know how people can do it to theirs. Well, I think, you know, a few years ago, it would have even been diagnosed as Munchausen by proxy, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, and now suddenly it's supposed to be celebrated and you have to protect kids from their parents, which leads us back to a conversation we had um, on, on your show uh, just a, a little bit ago. And I don't want to tip off that because- you know, the, the, you know, the, the people who watch this are going to thunder over to Michelle's show and they, yes, should. you should that thunder there. Thunder, just thunder right over to Michelle Tafoya's show. But um, it's, it's, I, I want to explore a little bit because you have a lot of experience in the media, personal and, and, and professional. My takeaway from this is that the reason why this had sort of like this jet fuel, you know, launch over the last few years is really because the media has been promoting it. I mean, you take a look at the numbers mm. and you see these huge upswings in, in reports of, of these dysphoria cases 
And it looks to me like a social contagion fueled by the media, which is mm -hmm. highlighting these transitions as though they're something special and magical. And yeah. you know, you've got um, Disney doing um, LGBT things. You've got, um, what was the thing? I, I forget uh, our, our writer wrote about, uh, was one, it was cartoon that had- Blue, uh, Blue's Clues? Blue's Clues, thank you. That Blue's had the beaver family and one of the beavers had top surgery and you could see the scars from the from the the, the boobs being removed from the little right. animated character. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is like a full court press from the American media, you know, not just, and when I say a media, I'm not just talking about news media now, I'm also talking about entertainment media. Yes, absolutely. Has really chosen sides on this in a very big way. And I'm 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 just sort of wondering why I think it's so that they can always claim they're you know at the avant garde of something and and it's just it it is a little it is a little nuts to me and I think it's just going to be up to the adults in the room. Uh, look, it is not you can be accepting of a trans person who has chosen a trans lifestyle, Caitlyn Jenner, for example, mm -hmm. without giving that person the Woman of the Year award. You don't yeah. need to do both of those things. You can say someone, hey, Dylan Mulvaney's decided to live as, you know, life as a girl, as he calls it, which to me is a caricature, an absolute cartoon of a of a little girl princess. It's a girl face. He's doing it's girl a, face. Instead of black face, he's doing woman face. Yes. And and putting on the makeup, but still saying you know, uh, normalize the bulge when he wears his little leather shorts. And, and so th this is not just, this is, you're right. That, 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 that advertisers and everyone's jumping on board to stand out. Well, there has been some backlash. We saw that with Bud Light. I can, I think we're going to continue to see more of it. And I don't know why people aren't learning their lesson about this, that, that you can embrace this. You can even love trans people, but that doesn't mean that they should go. You, you want them to compete against your daughter for that one roster spot that's left on the soccer team. I mean, it really is. It's erasing women. I, I know that yes. goes both directions, right? Women transition to, to men and men transition to women. And again, if we were just talking about adults, then I like you, I'd say, Hey, look, you know, live and let live. That's their, that's their choice. It's not mine. That's fine. That's what tolerance is by the way. Tolerance yes. is a celebration. Uh, they're forcing us to celebrate something yeah. that we disagree with. And that's what that's what I resented. And they're aiming at children, which is just absolutely god awful. We're creating a generation of, you know, medical patients for life who are going to be miserable, yes. sterilized. Uh, and we don't we can't even comprehend the social issues that we're going to have to be dealing with in the next 20 years because of it. But you're right. I mean, what happened to Bud Light? I think their sales are off like 23 percent. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think it's going to happen to a to a much lesser extent, though, with uh, with Miller and Coors based on the um, advertisement that they just put out. People oh, I missed that. that. What did they do? Well, they, they were talking about how um, uh, it's it actually came out in March and it kind of passed without too much notice. And it just it just got some attention. Now, it's an ad by a comedian who's talking about how you know, the, the previous, you know, advertising campaigns were, were uh, sexist and objectifying and it, it demeaned women because women were the original beer makers and, and we're going to, um, we want you to send us all the stuff that we produce for our ad campaign so we can, because that's, you know, this is, we're not under FCC constraints, so I can say this, that was the bad shit. Uh, we're going to transform it into good shit. 
Um, so okay. we're going to we're going to transform the bad shit into good shit, and we're going to send it to women brewers who. I'm sure can produce almost anything better than Miller Lite or Bud Light or <laughs> any other, any of those other beers. I mean, I'm not a big fan of American lagers anyway. Um, so I've been boycotting them all for, you know, I'm just joking, but, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, it's, it's this necessity to lecture people as to the wrongness of their thought, right? If yeah. you enjoyed the Swedish bikini team, which was one of the Miller Lite, you know, ad campaigns. I remember that. Which was not, which was not without its controversy at the time. Two people were saying, hey, well, maybe this is a little over the top, guys. Um, but if you enjoyed that, then you're just wrong and you should feel bad and you should repent by, you know, uh, by engaging in our in our social justice campaign. And you get a whole bunch of people who, were, who used to buy the beer saying, all I wanted was a cold drink. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to get pulled into this whole controversy or have my opinion forced on anybody else. That's one of the things that my husband really has a tough time with these days is what if I just don't want to talk about this stuff? What if right. I what if I don't want to get involved? You know, he's like, I'm I'm raising kids. Uh, I, I'm we've got our household. We have our family. This is my concern. And and while inside, I may care deeply about this, that and the other. I don't necessarily want to go tweet about it or, or post about it or shout yeah. out about it. Isn't that my prerogative too? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And when people say silence is violence, I think that's very uh, situational situation specific in that instance, someone who's sitting home doing their own thing, watching HGTV, taking advice from Chip and Joanna Gaines and baking a cake that they saw on the food network and they are have, have a dog and a daughter and a whatever, and that's their life. They have every right to live that life without saying a word about anything else. Well, I don't know how much I should comment about sitting around watching HGTV and 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 uh, watching Chip and Joanna because that's how we ended up in Central Texas. So you know, there you go. see, they're great <laughs> ambassadors for Waco. They were, they were, they were great ambassadors for Waco. But, uh, you know, I, I agree with you. And it's one of the reasons why I stopped watching NFL football for a couple of seasons. I mean, basically I just turned it off. And because I got tired of having these mini lectures on social justice, you know, mm -hmm. not just between plays, right? Yeah. And the kids, but on the air, you know, the end, I'm, I'm sure glad that we put end racism at both ends of the playing field. <laughs> I'm sure that's going to do over. the trick. Yeah, it's, that is the, you know, look, the intentions are good. Sometimes the road to hell is yeah. paved with good intentions, right? I mean, the intentions were good. Wearing the decals on the helm, everyone wanted to do something. They wanted to be part of the solution. And I commend that. But I think they're going to be much more effective by going out in their own circles or on their days off and being really involved and actually do something rather than signaling or lecturing people. I agree yeah. with you. I think that hurt the NFL for a couple of years. I know plenty of people who stopped watching and I, and I can think of a time that I turned on a, a women's basketball game on ESPN right after the, the legislature legislation was signed in Florida, what they like to call the don't say gay bill, which never says that in the bill, if you right. read it. Uh, but these commentators came on camera and said, we want you to know that we disagree with this and that everyone's welcome and da da da. And I'm thinking, A, you haven't read the bill. You don't know what's in it. Right. You, you just haven't. Otherwise, you wouldn't be saying this. And B, I, I, I don't really know you personally. And I just this is not why I turned on this game today. You know, right. I wanted to watch these women play and that's it. But this is where we are. 
That's right. So everything is a performative lecture yeah. and, and it's getting worse. And that's yeah. the reason why in the end, you're not going to be able to stay on the sidelines of this. At some point, you're going to have to probably engage. You're going to be forced to engage. You will be made to care, as a friend of mine wrote in his book, Eric Erickson. Actually, that was the title of the book, You Will Be Made to Care. And he wrote that several years ago before this really became a uh, a, a social, um, uh, you know, a, a real movement, this this yeah. whole you will be made to care thing. So he was, he was pretty prescient in that book. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. Michelle, I could talk to you for hours, but you've got better things to do. So I need to let you go. I don't know if I have better things to do, but I, I do have things to do. So got things to do. All right. Well, that's that's fair. Thank you very much. But <laughs> before I before I let you go, why don't you tell people where they can find you yeah. and and all the different uh, all the different links that you might have? Well, you can listen the Michelle Tafoya show. You can find anywhere that you get podcasts, whether it's YouTube, Rumble, Spotify, Apple, we're everywhere. Just go look for it. The Michelle Tafoya podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on LinkedIn. Just find me with the name and it's Michelle with one L if that helps. Uh, it does help. And I forgot that the other day, by the way, but uh, um, I, I remember it now. Uh, <laughs> usually I have to be told once, sometimes twice. And if you ask my wife, I have to be told continuously. But <laughs> on L now. Um, Michelle, thank you so much. What a great conversation. And I can't, I can't wait till we get a chance to do this again. Let's do it again, Ed. Let's do this, you know, home and away series. Let's, let's keep it going. Sounds good. Michelle Tapoya, thank you so much. <laughs>